Hello and welcome into the Gotta Be Saints podcast. I'm your host, Brendan Gotta. Join me each week as I tackle life's most important question. How do I become a saint? Today's podcast is titled Chatting with Taylor Kemp. Taylor Kemp is a retired professional soccer player who I had the great pleasure of meeting back in 2018 at the Catholic Prayer Breakfast in Washington, D.C. Today, he's going to share his story with me and you. I hope you guys enjoy our conversation. Taylor, thank you so much for being on today. Yeah, so excited to be here, Brendan. And yeah, it's good to, good to catch up a little bit since, since we last saw each other. Yeah, it's been a while, but uh, here we are. So let's just dive right in. If you could, Taylor, just tell me your story and then we'll, uh, we'll go from there. Yeah, um, so uh, where to begin the perennial question? From the beginning. So um, I didn't grow up with much of a faith background. Um, I was I grew up in uh, Denver, Colorado. Um, I'm a soccer player by trade. Uh, I played soccer all all growing up. And like I said, didn't have much of a religion. Um, And all I remember is wanting to be a professional soccer player, you know, from from my earliest days. Uh, And then it was in high school that it was becoming obvious that I, you know, was quite gifted and was going to have a good chance to go pretty far um, and was with the national teams, the U18 the U, and the U20 national team and traveled to Inc., to Europe um, and to South America with those teams. And then I eventually chose to go to the University of Maryland uh, to play soccer there. They had a really good team. Uh, when I was at Maryland, I had a I had a good many years and then it was becoming clear and clear that I was going to have a, a chance to go to the pros and then I was eventually drafted in the first round of DC United in 2017 um and so then I went on to I had a I had a 6 year career with DC in in total I mean it, and it was great um in the middle of that though I had a version to the faith like I said I didn't come from a faith background but my wife, well, my, at the time, my girlfriend, her name is Brittany. Uh, after she graduated from CSU, we had dated long distance through college. And av- after she had graduated from CSU, she came out to Maryland, or sorry, she came out to DC um, after I left Maryland. Um, and she had been a cradle Catholic growing up. And when she had gotten out there, she had wanted us to start going to mass together. Um, and that was something that I was fine with. Uh, I was going to mass and I didn't love it, but was kind of like, yeah, whatever. And there were some good homilies here and there. And so that, that was all fine. Um, but then as she had been out there longer and we were getting more and more serious, she had started, well, we had both started bringing up getting married and she had wanted to get married in the church and raise our kids Catholic. Uh, and I was fine with this. I was like, that's, you know, that's totally cool with me. I didn't have a religious background, but I had nothing against it. I was like, that, that's totally cool. Um, and she was like, okay, great. Uh, you have to go, you have to go through RCIA to do this. And I was like, awesome. I'll sign a form and we can, we can go get married and, and all is going to be well. And she's like, yeah, okay, that, that's great. It's eight months before you can, you know, sign the form, so to speak. Um, and I was like, you've got, you've lost your mind. Like there's not a chance that I'm going through an eight month. There's not a chance that I'm going to go through an eight month program to become Catholic. So I was, I was adamant about this. I was like, there's no way I'm going to do it. Uh, Brittany though is very strong willed and she kept pushing, kept pushing, kept pushing. 
Uh, and she started to kind of hammer away at my walls, but I still was pretty much like, I'm not going to do it. And then she signed me up for RCIA without telling me. <laughs> yeah, I know. It, t- it tells you a little bit about her personality. She didn't tell me. And then the Sunday before the classes were going to be on a Tuesday night. And the Sunday before those, she tells me, she's like, Hey, by the way, I signed you up for RCIA. And I was like, Brittany, you've got to be kidding me. Like, what are you talking about? Like, I'm not going, this is ridiculous. And she's like, okay, well, if you're not going to go, you have to call the priest and tell him that you're not going to be there. And like, I had never interacted with priests. Like they were kind of like gargoyles to me. I was like, there's not a chance that I'm going to call a priest. They freaked me out. Um, and so I was like, whatever, I'm just going to go. I'm, and, and I kind of choked it up at that point to, you know, I'll go for a month and drop out after a month or like just kind of suffer through for a little bit and then get out. So that's what I had resolved to do in my mind. Um, so I went that first Tuesday and anyone who's been through RCIA, this, this has to resonate with, I go in there and it's in this church basement. We're in Washington, D.C. at St. Peter's Basilica um, on Capitol Hill. And so it's an older building. It's a beautiful church, but it's older. But I go into the, this basement. It's painted with its, oh, I don't even think it's paint. It's yellow wallpaper. There's, it's D.C. in September, which is super hot, and there's no A.C. So it's just like sweltering hot in this basement. And it's this yellow wallpaper that looks terrible. There's a picture of who... Um, but it was Pope Francis on the wall. There's this huge poster that says porn kills love on this other wall. Then there's just all this rows of catechism, which is a word I had never heard of. And I was just like, this is absolutely ridiculous. Like this is insane that I'm here. Um, And so I sit down and then in comes this man who is sort of short. He's pretty round and he's wearing what I thought was a dress. And he's a Dominican priest. So anyone who knows about the Dominicans, they're a religious order. And they have the white habit. And they've got the rosary around the hip. But like, to me, this just like, this guy is wearing a bed sheet. Like, this is, I'm like, I'm so furious at Brittany at this point. I'm like poking her. I'm glaring at her. She was there with me. I'm just like, I can't believe you, you're making me come here. Um, so I'm begrudgingly sitting there. Um, but what's important about this, this somewhat portly teacher is he is a priest by the name of father Thomas Joseph white, who is an unbelievable priest. And he is a brilliant theologian and he's now, he teaches at the Angelicum in Rome, but he taught the RCA class when I went through it. Um, and he's just an amazing priest. So I, I have, I love this man very much now, but at the time I was like, this guy, this is. This. So the way, you know, I won't take you all the way through the RCI process or I don't know how many, how many details you want, but. Oh, this, as much, honestly, this is great. So okay. As much as you want to share, please. Okay. So, and also keep in mind, you know, like I'm a professional soccer player. So I'm like sitting down there. I'm like, people are going to recognize me. Like, this is humiliating. I thought a lot about myself and I was just like, I, I hate everything about this. So RCIA, for the most part, it was like the first week I'm so furious that I'm there that I can barely even listen. By about a month in, so four classes in, I'm like, you know, this, this guy's actually saying some pretty good stuff. 
here. Like, uh, and it kind of piqued my interest. I start, I start listening in a little bit more by about three months in, I'm like, you know, this guy's really onto something. <laughs> like he, he, right. He, he actually might be onto something here. Um, <laughs> and it, it wasn't just the, the teaching about the faith. It was the morality. It was like the, it was the human person. It was, he, I felt like he was explaining me to myself and I had never heard anything like that. I grew up as I was a business major undergrad. I had no philosophy background. I knew nothing about theology. So it was just amazing. But yeah, about three months in, I was like, he's really onto something about six months in, I was like, I don't really know what I believe about the church or Christ or, a whole lot of this, but I, I think I really trust the teacher. I, I trusted Father Thomas Joseph. Like I was like, I don't know what I think about all of this, but I, I, I've come to listen to this man and talk with this man long enough, this priest, that I trust him enough kind of to keep going forward. And then by the time the Easter Vigil came around in 2016, which was right around maybe eight months or so of this whole process, like I'm in. Like, I don't, uh, you know, I'd moved beyond just trusting Father Thomas Joseph and the Holy Spirit was working in my heart. And I was just like, I, I'm, I'm in, <laughs> like, I don't know what any of it is. I don't really know what I'm, so to speak, professing to believe in its depths, but I was like, you know what, I can spend the rest of my life figuring that out. I'm, I'm ready to go. Um, and so I had a really powerful conversion and, and came to the church. This was in 2016. I had been a pro for, this was my fourth year as a pro my career had gotten better and better and better. Um, I was getting better contracts. Um, everything had been going up and, you know, I, I came into the church and it was just amazing. Um, yeah. Any, any, any clarifying questions or anything there before we keep chugging along? No, I, I mean, I, I think you're, you're keep going and then we can, we can always circle back to back. Okay. Um, I would say, you know, I, I did a, not a ton, but I did, I've done some speaking at high schools. And a lot of the times the high schoolers will ask me, you know, why did you convert? Like, what was it that made you kind of shift this whole way that you look at reality? And I always like sharing this, uh, and, it, and it's very true. Um, and I think it can apply to people a lot today, especially young people. Um, I lived under a great kind of cloud of fear as a because you just have to keep playing. You, you have to, you're, you know, you're only as good as your last game. You have to beat out the next guy. Every practice matters so much. It's a very stressful kind of lifestyle as a professional athlete, or at least, you know, it was for me, but that I know, you know, I, that's the case for a lot of people. Um, and so I love soccer, but at the same time, it was like such a, you know, it was a huge burden. Like you're, I, you're just, everything you eat has to be tracked all your workouts and especially as a young player you just kind of have to survive so i just lived under this kind of cloud of anxiety and fear i was just terrified of failing i was terrified of it not working out um and i would say one of the greatest graces that god gave me and it was what i i would say opened me up to trust him or at least be open to the reality of him is that in the midst of RCI midst of, you know, what I would say is my initial conversion was this anxiety and fear just kind of like, it just kind of went away. Like I was in a really remarkable way, just not afraid anymore of failing. 
Um, and I think it was a very particular grace that I experienced for that year. Cause it, you know, some of it did kind of come back, but yeah, the Lord just made me un, uh, very unafraid. And I kind of came to this place of being like soccer is just a thing that I do, but it's also a thing that I could not do. And that's okay. Um, and what was amazing about this, you know, God is, this makes complete sense, but it's just funny looking at it in hindsight. I then went on to have the best year of my whole career because we're not meant to live in fear. And so now I wasn't playing in fear and a lot of my potential actually kind of was unleashed from that. And I had the best year of my whole career. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's important though, that like the way that God kind of, uh, kind of brought my heart along enough to trust him was he just kind of moved that, that barrier of fear. And whenever I've been talking to people who are you know, trying to figure out what God is doing in their life. I think it's good to just reflect on like there, there's door, there's barriers in our lives to him that God is always trying to knock down and, and mine just happened to be fear, but he's doing that with every single person mm. in some way or another. It just kind of looks different. Um, okay. So I had my career, as I said, um, and I end up getting called into the national team, which, so the United States national team, this is the full men's team. So I was involved, as I had said, with the U18s and the U20s. Yep. Um, but I never really thought I'd get called into the full team. That was a kind of like a dream that I never even thought would happen. Um, but I had such a good year, they called me in. And so I got called under uh, Bruce Arena for the January camp. And this was 2017. Um, and this was to make the World Cup team. So this was before that we missed the World Cup. And this was to be on the team that would make the qualifiers. Um, I get called in. It's a, it's a month long camp. It's in Redondo beach, California. And again, I'm just thrilled. I had just gotten married. Uh, Brittany and I got married in the church. I just had this powerful conversion. I have this great year of soccer. I get called into this camp, like, and to get called into the full team camp, it means like your contracts are going to get better. It means get better. Like this is, this is huge. So like I'm on the, like this is the peak of my whole life, basically from a professional standpoint as a soccer player, from a personal standpoint of just coming into the faith with a very powerful conversion and then getting married to my wife. Like this is kind of the climax of so much. Um, and then in the middle of this camp, we have our first, so again, this is in January going into February, it's a month, but January in, in California for the camp, it's the 10th day of the camp, which is our first off day. Um, and you know, you're just really exhausted. You just have, you've, we had double days every day. And my, my roommate had family in LA. So he went to visit his family. So he was, he was gone for the day. Um, and I was just kind of hanging out, like watching TV in the hotel room. And I just get incredibly depressed out of nowhere. Like I just get really down, really sad. I like, I'm starting to cry. Um, and I'm not really, I don't have a depressive personality. So this was very strange for me. Like I'm pretty flat emotionally. I don't really have high highs or really low lows. I'm, I'm pretty flat. And uh, I was just devastated, like in the middle of this day. And it made no sense to me. Uh, everything in my life had been going amazing. And I was playing well at camp. And there was really no natural explanation for this. And I was just devastated. And it just, it really shook me. And it, it, it stuck with me for a long time. Um, 
And in the middle of this happening, I decide to pray and I'm calling my wife and I'm like, I don't know what's wrong and, and eventually kind of like handle this crisis um, and, and, and move on and, and things are okay. I get through the rest of the camp um, and things are fine. I don't get picked for the qualifiers, which was okay. I, like I had just been happy to be there and I, it was now time to go back to DC, which I, you know, it was great. I had an amazing experience. Um, but th that what had happened in my off day, this really stuck with me for a long time. And I was really just confused by it because everything in my life had been so good. Um, and I, I was developing at this time, really a habit of prayer and learning how to talk to God. And I was, you know, every once in a while I would kind of talk to him about it, but it would always keep cropping up just cause I was confused about it. So fast forward about four months, maybe a little bit, five months. And it's, it, this was in July of 2017 and Brittany and I had made a habit of going to adoration at St. Peter's on Wednesday nights. And we were at adoration and this memory kind of popped back into my head. And I, it, I was asking God, I was like, God, you know, what was that? That was such a great period of my life. Why, why did I feel that way? Um, and there was just a moment of understanding and, and God just helped me understand what had happened in that day which was he allowed me to feel how much all of my dreams were worth without him. <laughs> um, and it was really amazing. Like I just lose it in the middle of St. Peter's and I'm just crying. And uh, you know, it all just kind of started making sense. And I, I went home and I told Brittany and I was like, Brittany, I can't believe this, but I think that God allowed me to feel the height of my whole life. Uh, without him, because what had happened was I had converted and gotten married in the camp. But what had kind of happened is once I got called into the national team camp, I had started, I had started to kind of edge got out just a little bit. I didn't really mean to, but it was kind of like, you know, Lord, like this is my domain. Like this is, you know, this is the climax of my professional pursuits, like my whole life. And I had stopped praying as much. I had not been going to confession as I had kind of just edged God out and I had taken credit or I had taken back control from God with my soccer career. So like I kind of gave God a huge part of my life when I was converting, he gave me this amazing year that earned me this call up. And the second that happened, I was like, awesome. I'm going to take the most of my opportunity. And I kind of pushed him. I didn't like reject him. I just had kind of like edged him out into the peripheries and made soccer my, my first priority. So I'm reflecting on all of this after that night in adoration. And I was just like, Oh my gosh, he like allowed me just to see what it was if I kept doing what I had been doing, which was just slowly making other things more important than him. Um, this impacted me so much. Brittany and I decided when our lease was up two months later to move next to our church in DC. So we moved from Arlington, Virginia. Uh, great to place. Live. It is a great place. <laughs> we loved Arlington. Um, I think I would say I liked the city of DC a little bit more. That's fair. Yeah. But we moved next to our, our church and we decided to sign up to be sponsors on RCIA. And we had kind of made a resolution that we, we realized, you know, what a lot of the saints write about, which is that if you're not moving forward in the spiritual life, you're moving backward. So we were like, we have to make concrete steps to keep moving forward. So we decided to intentionally make more friends that were our age at church. We signed up to be sponsors. We made a commitment to adoration and confession. 
And we were like, we, we just have to make these steps or else we'll do what had happened, which was just slowly kind of edge got out. So we do that. And I'm now sponsoring someone in the next cycle of RCIA and Father Thomas Joseph White is teaching again, the next cycle of classes. And I'm, I'm so excited. I'm like, this guy's the best. I'm loving looking at everyone's reactions as the guy in the white bed sheet with a rosary around his, you know, uh, on his hip looks like. So I was like, this is so funny. Um, and anyways, uh, he, during that second cycle, he says that he has a book called the light of Christ. Uh, and I was like, Oh my gosh, I like him so much as a teacher. I should get his book. So I, I get his book and I read his book and I absolutely love his book to no surprise. And it's an introduction to Catholic theology. And it was actually made for RCIA students. He, he wrote the book for RCIA students and I just loved the book. It just, it was the same as his teaching. It just opened up a whole new world to me. Uh, and I would say that really starts, started what has been an ongoing kind of love affair with theology. I would say that really started just eventually the path that led me to the Augustine Institute, which is the graduate school of theology where I, I eventually went. Um, so I read his book and I just, I really fell in love with reading about God, trying to think about God and learning how to pray. Uh, and I start going on Amazon's Christian bestsellers list <laughs> and buy, and just buying whatever's there. And there was just some horrible books and there were some good books and, I had some friends who pointed me to the Augustine Institute because they have an online, they have a distance ed program for graduate school. They're like, oh, you should check it out. And I'm like, no, I don't, I don't need to do a graduate school. Like I'm fine just reading. And they're like, you really seem to care about this. Like it'd probably be a good idea to get some guided learning. And eventually I was like, okay, great. And God made it clear that that was something to look into. So I applied to the graduate school. I had never really read the Bible. Um, and they eventually get accepted and I'm so excited. Uh, and I start the, at the graduate school in, in 2018. So I don't know, I would say that this kind of starts the second half of, of my really major. Uh, it, it, it's in this period where I'm, I don't know, maybe some people are wondering, like, how did I end up stop playing soccer? And it was in this period that I have this string of injuries that kind of ends my career. God changes so much about my heart and moves me out of soccer and into the place that I am now, which is really, really just amazing. Um, but at the end of 2017, I had start, I had a really basic injury. I had, uh, I had had my third hernia, but they're not, that's not a super major thing. But anyways, I have my third hernia surgery and I just can't recover. And normally a hernia recovery is about two months. I had now been out for maybe four months and going into the 2018 preseason with DC and I had started at the AI. So I'm now a distance ed student and I'm taking classes at the AI. Uh, my classes, by the way, I'm just like absolutely loving, like they're opening up a whole new world for me. I'm starting, I started a Bible study with my teammates and it during preseason just started with two of us and it grew by the summer to eight. And there was a separate, I had a separate study going with the staff, the auxiliary staff of DC. So it was like unbelievable. I mean, there's, it was unbelievable. And all I was doing was taking this, what I was learning from the Augustine Institute professors and then in my own way, kind of representing it to my teammates and they loved it. I was like, this so you is basically became team chaplain. That's what, that's what I'm hearing. Yeah. Well, we had a team chaplain. That's a story for another time that um, 
It was funny, yeah. So the team know. let that chaplain go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm the, sorry, we don't no, need he's you still anymore. He's a, he's an FCA chaplain, Sean Smith, and he's a great guy. Uh, and him and I catch up every once in a while. But yeah, there was some moving and and some things happened. But it was it was just amazing. Um, and I, t- to the point where while I was injured, I was kind of like, man, I don't know if God is going to move me out of soccer because I, I had loved the Bible studies and I had loved just learning and talking and doing all the things about God. And I was like, man, I don't know if I want to do this anymore. But um, my wife and some some good advisors in my life were like, you, you've been given physical gifts and it's almost like not right in God's eyes for you not to use those like kind of responsibly, like it would be wrong for me to just kind of give up on my physical gifts. Cause I wanted to do something different. Um, and so they were like, you can reach as a professional athlete, like a lot of kids and you can do a lot of good things. And I was like, okay. So I had resolved to more or less just be like, God, whatever you, whatever you put in my path, I'll more or less say yes to in terms of faith. Okay. So Like I said, I, I was having a hard time getting better, and I had wondered if God would more or less allow me to get better. And I was kind of, I had a little bit of a divided heart as to what I wanted. Um, and then all of a sudden, I did start to finally heal. And I, it was after five months of being out, but I had started getting better and better and better. I was being integrated into more training sessions and training sessions. My wife and I had just started 33 Days to Morning Glory, which is Father Michael Gately's. Yeah, do you know it? Yep. Okay, so we had, we had started 33 Days to Morning Glory. We had gone to Fatima over my off-season on a pilgrimage, and so we were going to end the 33 days on the feast day of Our Lady of Fatima in May. And for anyone who at home is listening to this and doesn't know what that is, it's a total consecration to Mary, which actually – Right now, Got to Be Saints is actually doing the 33-day oh, nice. consecration. So, this goes well, but continue. Sorry, I just want to Unintentional sure plug. Providential yeah. plug. <laughs> Truly. Yeah. I'm doing De Montfort's, but I nice. I respect Father Gately, of course. I mean... I haven't done DeMontfort's all. I, I've wanted to do it for a while now, so maybe, maybe this is a push I need. It's, um, it's yeah. well worth it. Okay. I'll give it a shot. But yeah, so I'm doing Father Michael Gately's with my wife. And... Uh, it was in the middle of this that I had started getting better. And so I was like, Oh, this is God's answer to me. Like he's going to allow me to return to soccer and I can, I can work for him in that way. Um, okay. And then cliche story coming the way that the 33 days ends is on a Sunday and you consecrate yourself to Mary. And then the 34th day that next Monday is the glorious new morning with Mary as your mother. Um, and so Brittany and I wake up, on that Monday and we kind of tongue in cheek are like, Oh, I wonder what God has in store for us on this glorious new morning with Mary as our mother. Okay. Then I go into practice and this was supposed to be my last private training session with just my, um, just the trainer and the physical therapist before me being integrated back with um, the team in a partial way. So this, I was doing private trainings this was supposed to be my last one. I had been getting better and better and better. I had now been out for probably six months, which is a long time to be out, especially because I wasn't supposed to be out that long. All right. So I do this training session and everything's going great. And I'm like moving well. Every, everyone is happy about this. I was a starting outside back for us. So the coaches are happy. I'm feeling good. And I'm like, oh, cool. You know, like this is going great. 
we're ending the training session with a shooting drill. And it's, you know, this is genuinely like the last five minutes of training. And I get, I receive a ball. I take a touch to the right. I go around this mannequin. I cut to my left and I'm left footed and I shoot the ball into the lower right hand corner. So I, I shoot across my body and I shoot the ball and I hit it super well. And in the middle, right after I extend, I hear this pop. And I know I just pulled my groin off the bone. Like I could just feel it. You, you know, I had done it before. I just felt it. I hit the ground. I immediately know. And I'm, you know, I'm in tears and I, I get myself up and I limp off to the steel bleachers. Um, and my, my PT's coming over. He's not even running over. Like he knew just like he's walking over and he's got tears in his eyes. He was a good friend. He was the one who was working for months trying to get me back. And he knew, like he could just tell in my face and he knew and he's just walking over and he just sits next to me. And I'm like, you know, Gab, that was his name. I'm like, Gab, it'll be okay. Like, just give me some time. And so he just walks in um, and I'm just sitting there and, you know, I'm like, is this my glorious new morning with spirit, with Mary as my mother? Um, and I go home and I tell Brittany that, and I just keep processing this. And I was like, oh my gosh, I think this, this, you know, might've been God's answer to my confusion about if I was going to keep playing or not. Uh, that was Monday on Wednesday. I go to get the MRI scans to figure out all what happened. And I had torn my groin, but what we didn't know was I had really horrible hip damage on my right side, which was actually why I couldn't heal uh, because my right hip was all locked up. So I got all my extension from my left side. And that's why I kept having all these issues on my left side. So we get this MRI and we find out that um, I had torn my labrum about six years before that, five years before that, which isn't that major of an injury. That happens to a lot of soccer players and a lot of hockey players too. I had torn my labrum, but the problem with that is my hip started moving a little differently. And I, it turns out I had worn through all of the cartilage in my right hip. Um, to protect my hip, my hip started, I developed bone spurs on the front and back of the joint. So I had a torn labrum, I had no cartilage and bone spurs on the front and back that limited my motion. And so they got the scans and they're like, oh my gosh, like your hip is in terrible shape. So they fly me to Boston uh, to see a hip specialist up there and he looks at my MRI and he's just like, this is, you know, it's really not good. Uh, we have to do surgery, but the surgery that we have to do is not meant to get players back to high level athletics. It's meant to get you back to like a normal state of living. Mm. And it'll postpone you needing a hip replacement for 10 years, but we don't know if this will be able to get you back. You have to decide if this is something you want to do. And I was like, well, I've, I've tried to recover for six months. I think I have to do this. And so in June, on June 22nd, I fly up to Boston. I have the surgery. My wife meets with the surgeon while I'm still in recovery. She's like, how'd it go? And he's like, it went great. Like, I, I really think this is going to help Taylor so much. I think his life, the quality of his life is going to be better, but he'll never play professional sports again. Um, and so, you know, there, my career then ended, you know, the career ended on the 34th day of, you know, with Mary as my spiritual mother. And so I always had great peace about that, that, um, it was, it was kind of nice that God had worked in my heart to almost bring me like of moving away from soccer. And then when it came about, I had great peace that I was like, well, this is from God and that's fine. 
So I had, I gave my retirement speech to the team. My wife and I packed up our stuff. Uh, six months after surgery, we flew to Spain or flew to France to walk the Camino de Santiago from Southern France to Northwest Spain. And then after that, we flew home to Denver uh, 2019 to kind of start a new phase of life. Um, I finished my studies at the Augusta Institute in person, which was awesome. Um, and I just, I mean, I love the Augusta Institute. Uh, it, it has done so much for me and the professors have had such an impact on my life that it's just a place that's unbelievably near and dear to my heart. Um, and when I was in the middle of taking my classes there, I had realized that I really just wanted to teach. And I had gotten in contact with the people that ran the Denver Catholic Biblical School, which is an adult catechesis program. Uh, and I started teaching there and I got a job teaching there, which I, I loved. Um, but then COVID happened and they had to let go of a, a bunch of their teachers. So I was just, you know, again, just absolutely devastated by this. Uh, and I was like, God, I don't know what you want me to do. My wife and I were pregnant at the time. Uh, and we now have a four month old. Her name's Agnes Rose. Congratulations. Um, thank you. She's the best. If we were in person, I'd show you a picture. Maybe, maybe you can, can you you should post a picture and just let everyone see the the how oh cute yeah if you send me one I I hundred percent will send me a photo I was just kidding but if you want one I'll send oh, it no please please I mean it's in huh? with social media too you know I got to be worried about the likes man so if you just uh you send that that oh, way she'll get you the likes and that's you know that's that's part of the battle <laughs> that's what it's all about. Uh, Pretty Jesus sure Jesus said in the Gospels, "Whoever has the most likes uh, <laughs> will prosper," something like that. <laughs> totally. Kidding. Yeah, I've heard that. Yeah, yeah, it's a different type of translation. It's one of the Protestant versions. But... <laughs> that's the that's the Living Word translation. <laughs> it's, a, it's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, we had we had um, we had Agnes, or sorry, we had Agnes on the way. And uh, I was just like, Lord, I don't know what you want me to do. Like, we don't have health benefits. I just had no idea what to do for work. I basically just lost my job. I was like, oh, this is horrible. And uh, I had a good friend who gave me this 31-day devotional book to St. Joseph called The Glories of St. Joseph. Uh, And he was like, look, man, I know you're desperate. This book has worked miracles four times that I've seen. And I was like, what? He's like, I promise you. He's like, this book got me the exact job I needed when I was desperate. It sold the houses of two of my friends and it got the house of another one of my friends. And he's like, on the day that this thing ended, he was like, just do it. I was like, almost afraid because the disappointment level would have been unbearable if this didn't work out. But anyway, I start, I pray this book and I make my intention for this book to get a job. And in the middle of this book, uh, I get a call from Dr. Ben Akers, who is a professor. I had had him as a professor here at the Augusta Institute. And he calls me and he left a voicemail. I didn't pick up the phone. He left a voicemail and he's like, hey, Taylor, this is, this is Dr. Akers. Uh, I had heard that you're looking for work and I just accepted a new job working for Formed and I need to hire a right-hand man and I want to bring you in to interview for it. I don't actually have a job description or even a job title, but I just think you're the right person. Like, would you be interested in interviewing? 
And I was like, oh my gosh. Like in the back of my mind, I'm like, Joseph, are you really going to pull this off? Like this is unbelievable. Uh, and so I interviewed for the next two and a half weeks and then they didn't know this. Of course, they ended up offering me the job on the 31st day on the day that I finished the book. 90th like, minute goal. We love to see dude, it. You can't, you can't make this stuff up. <laughs> I was just like, this is unbelievable. They told me, they were like, we're, we're writing up a contract now. We're going to offer you this job. And I was just like, Oh, Oh my gosh. So that's how now I work at formed, which is just, it's such a blessing. I love formed. I had used it when I was, converting and it's at the Augusta Institute, like this place where I just, I love the professors here and it's just done so much. And it's, it really, they were just an instrument of, of grace that changed so much of my life. Uh, and so, yeah, now, now Ben and I are just kind of gunslingers in the West trying to figure out a digital platform without a digital background. Uh, and we were kind of like, let's, let's let two people, Ben is a teacher. I like to teach. Let's let two people who are, you know, have a teacher's heart, try to take over formed and kind of see what happens. Um, and so it's, it's just been awesome. That was about, I don't know, two months ago or so. Um, yeah. Agnes is four months. So yeah, I mean, it's, it's been unbelievable. It's been a crazy story. Like if you would have told me a long time ago that I would be working at a digital platform to distribute the, to, to promulgate and teach the Catholic faith, I would have been like, you're not talking about the same person. And isn't that kind of just how the Lord works though? I mean, yeah. when you, when you give him anything, when you just open your heart, the slightest yeah. bit, he just has the ability to totally wreck us. I know, and... man, he, he's wily. He's got some plans that you're like, I don't know about those, but they are always good. Yep. It's, it's truly beautiful. Yeah. Well, this is, I've, I've now taken you for 35 minutes. And as I said to you, you know, I, I don't want to take too much time. So, Mm -hmm. uh, this will be all for part one. And so anyone who's listening at home, uh, part one here, now you've heard most of Taylor's story. Tune in next week, um, for some, some Q and a, and just to kind of dive a little bit deeper into what we've already talked about. But thank you so much, Taylor, for joining mm-hmm. today. Uh, it's been a real pleasure. Yeah, of course. Can't, can't wait for the next one.